Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 71. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Cool Stuff Inc. and GatheringMagic.com. With some of the best deals when it comes to shopping online, an insane buy list bonus of 25% trade-in, and free shipping on orders of $100 or more, CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. I'm joined this week, of course, with Jim. He is staying frosty down in Florida after the hurricane. We've also got Travis Allen. If you listen to the latest After Hours, Travis and I discussed the problems with pretty much everything. So if you want to hear something that's a little different than your normal Cartel Aristocrats episode, tune in there. And finally, we have Ed Wynn back. Well, not really back. He's in London right now, but uh, he was able to stay up long enough, I guess you could say, to hop on the cast. How's it going, Ed? Good. And, of course, Iconic Masters was just spoiled, which means card prices are starting to move. Is there anything that you guys like right now? I'm seeing a lot of people short thought sees Ancestral Visions. I picked up a ton of Grove of the Burnwells at $15, uh, which is Channel Fireball buy list. A bunch of people came in. I'm like, yeah, I'll match them. I don't think this goes down to 15 um, Is there anything you guys are keeping an eye out for when it comes to picking up these reprinted cards for cheaper prices? It's too yellow. I am. Oh, my uh, mic's on. I thought I turned my mic down. <laughs> I thought it was muted. Uh, we got our wedding invitations today. I'm. Uh, I was looking over it. I'll start since I'm already talking. No, at least not yet. It's too early to start looking at Iconic Masters. It's not even on the shelves yet. We have like another month or two before it's even available for purchase. And there's going to be some excitement around that time. So we're waiting until probably what January, January, February, probably when the winter set spoilers roll in. That might be a good time to turn your attention to. Um, Iconic Masters. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I'm like looking but not buying currently. Um, basically, just looking at some cards that I want for EDH that are getting reprinted. Um, I'm definitely interested in the new um, printing of the Kamigawa Dragons. I think they're quite good. The art on them is pretty sweet. And um, I mean, I could always use another foil one, I guess. But I'm looking at it, but not actually buying anything. Like some stuff's actually already sold out on some websites, so maybe some things are cheaper than they should have been. So, what of my comments did you disagree with? Uh, that I'm not like I, the the way you phrased it. I thought you were not actively looking at all, or you're just not, not buying. I, why wouldn't you? It's not even released yet. Pre-orders are up. You can you can look and see what what stores want for things. Well, buying for your own personal needs is very different than buying for what we think the prices are too low on. For sure, for sure. Ed, as someone who, even if you're halfway around the world, still works and looks at Magic Card prices, is anything catching your eye yet? I think the like the one that I'm kind of most intrigued by is like the direction of Flusterstorm. Um, I think it's one of those things where no one really knows where, like, what direction that is headed. It's kind of an oddball because it's been a legacy and vintage staple for a very long time. It's definitely like a solid counterspell on EDH because of how hard it is to actually beat, short of having like a stifle effect or another flusterstorm. Um, honestly, like that's been it's been a super popular card in Japan for a very very long time uh, due to how good it is in miracles and just blue base control decks. Um, it'll definitely see a drop. Uh, mainly because I think a lot of people have been wanting that for a long time, and now people finally have their chance to get their hands on it. The question is how far and if it'll continue to be a Japan card after uh, once it's available. 
that being said, the oddball is how expensive will Japanese and Japanese foil flush returns be? Because those are the first time printings of those in uh uh in foreign language and foreign language foils. So I think the most interesting ones are the ones that uh, do kind of fall in that uh category, like Grove of the Bird Willows. Like it's been it's fr it's from the vault art, but it's never been from the vault art in Japanese or Japanese foil. Um, and it's and like Horizon Campy has new art as well, like Howl Duck Card Fair in uh in like foreign foil. Like those are types of things that like you really want to look at. So um, like those are ones that are kind of like more interesting to me, mainly because cards like Vampire Tutor, like like Visions and uh, Six Edition Vampire Tutors have always been very expensive. But the demand for Eternal Eternal Masters Vampire Tutors has actually gone like through the roof, and that can, that seems to be like one of the more popular arts. Uh, even like people actually seem to prefer the art to just the like the old original art, um, and they move like super super well. So it, it it's like the ones I'm kind of looking uh, keeping my eye out on are like again the ones like that have different variations than as opposed to just like a thoughtsies. Like yeah, people can now get like the Lorwyn art in like. Uh, like in foils, much more like easily as opposed to being, not like, Russian foils. Suckers can't buy Russian foils. Sure, but like that one, I'm kind of less intrigued on mainly because I think like the price will obviously crash, and that's obviously gonna crash like the lower ones pretty hard because it's the exact same card. There's just a hollow sticker on it now. Um, so those ones I don't care quite as much for, but it's it's alternate art ones I'm looking at and kind of maybe looking to go deep on those once pre-orders maybe drop a little. Add. Yeah. Good point. And um, speaking Ed. of Eternal Masters, Ed, shh, shh, a lot of bulk shh, from Eternal Masters. Shh, I'm Ed. segueing here, Travis. I'm I segueing ask a question. Here. Fine. Are your parents asleep in the room, Ed? Yeah. <laughs> Funny. How is... Okay, anyway. <laughs> speaking of bulk from Eternal Masters, Ed, a lot of the stuff that people think is bulk is, not, is not bulk. Jeremy. Yeah. Doug just joined. That's what I was segueing to, you asshole. And speaking of the Baron of Bulk, hey, we have Douglas Johnson on. Hey, Jeremy. Since Travis wants to ruin everything. Hey, Jeremy. Yeah. Hey, that wasn't a good segue. Uh, hey, Doug. How's it going? Can you even hear me? Yeah. You can? Okay, cool. I think so... Doug is casting from an olive garden. <laughs> I think that's the Shake Shack. Yeah. I how, check, check, yeah. how has your week been, Doug? Uh, I've been good. Uh, I am currently in Georgia right now. Uh, part vacation, part bringing like 15k of bulk shit for Thomas to dig through. Um, yeah, I kind of work at DCG Player now part-time. I write articles there now once a week. Uh, my article just went up today. And I also just recorded Brainstorm Brew today, so I'm basically just doing magic full-time now. What a sad story. So we're talking about, essentially, Iconic Masters, and if there's anything that piques your interest. Uh, I'm going to find Sanguine Bond in bulk now, so that's cool. Like, people are just going to, like, forget all about the cards that used to be bulk because people are going to think that they are bulk. Jace's Phantasm is going to get left in there more often. Uh, I don't even know like what else is in the set uncommon, but like people will just leave like 
one to two dollar cards in there that were one to two dollars before that are like 50 cents to a dollar now and now i'm just gonna find sanguine bonds in bulk and like pull them out like a year later and they're gonna be two dollars again it's fine. there's a lot of sweet uncommons in this set you can get monastery swift spear you can get uh thran dynamo like helix helix Fighting right helix. yeah yeah uh i don't even remember what else is in the set but yeah the commons and uncommon are gonna be sick i don't care about the rares mythics we also Mind crank. Stuff. Yeah, I was about to say that's a Mind really crank. good one. Mind crank. Uh, trying to think of what else was in the set. I don't even care. Rift bolt, overgrown battlement. Uh, I think plow plow is in the set. Swords plowshares. I mean, bolt is not. So, of course, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be a cartel aristocrats cast without Ed or Doug having bad audio. I guess. Uh, Jim, we do have a viewer question to answer this week, if you want to go over that whole uh, thing. You know, between you and Ed, with who uh, whose viewpoint is almost strictly vendors, and Doug, whose viewpoint is a guy who sorts 50,000 bulk a month, I think we've got a pretty good cover on the entire listener audience, right? Like, our listeners are either vendors or going through 50k bulk a month. We are set, man. Vendor, vendor level Wi-Fi versus picking bulk Wi-Fi. Which side would you rather be on? I'm on a hotel Wi-Fi. Yeah, so is Ed. Not Airbnb? No. Uh, not. Jim, you want to hit us with the question? Sure. So our question this week is, I think our first repeat winner... Is Travis morally opposed to hotels and not Airbnb? No, I really like Airbnb for what, for my experiences. I don't have but a reason Airbnb to is like the Uber of hotels. Yeah, but so far as a company, they haven't given me a reason to hate them. Although if somebody wants to send me one, I'd be happy to look at it. All right. Uh, so our every single company in the frickin' yeah, man, having principles—it's hell of a thing. Yeah, people really don't have them these days. It's hard to come by. So, as I was saying, our our winner this week, I believe, is our first uh, repeat winner because he's super lucky, and I still don't remember how to say his last name. Uh, I think your name is Brian Vanderjute. I think that's what he said the last time when I mispronounced it. Maybe this time I mispronounced it a different one. But he has a good question. He says, with the looming second wave of Commander 2017 product, I've been keeping on my eye on cards that have already spiked due not being in the pre-cons and being great fits for the decks, like Bloodline Keeper, Wonder Vine, Prophets, etc. Do you think we can see a second spike of sorts for these cards when they hit, when the second wave hits the shelf and more pe people pick up the decks? Do you just think it's it will is more likely we will just see consistent demand for these cards that have already spiked. Spiked, thanks guys. Um, personally, I don't think that there's going to be a huge amount of people running out buying these cards. So most of the time, when commander players buy new cards or like stuff goes up, is because they got a new deck and it's the newest thing that's on the shelf. Um, when these decks come back into print, very few people I think are going to be very interested in them. Um, because but a lot of people already have them, so it's hard to have the second wave of people be like, yeah, man, I need to go get those cards that are more expensive than the last time I looked at them. Um, so I'm not sure that they're going to spike. Sorry? I think they'll make good Christmas presents, because the second wave is, like, middle, end of October. For sure. But, like, then when do you see, like, if people go out to buy these upgrades again, when are they, when are they going to get them? Like, in January, no, February? No, I'm not saying that, like, the second spikes will happen, but, like, I'm not, I'm also saying that, like, 
there will still be additional demand throughout the rest of the year, but like I don't think it'll cause second spikes. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm like some of the some of them could even get reprinted in the meantime. It'll like give Bloodline you, Keeper. Uh, yeah, Bloodline Keeper is probably gonna get hit, but it'll give you a higher opportunity to sell cards that already spiked if you missed the hype wave the first time. Like if you still have cryptic gateways left over, you're gonna sell them during that second hype wave as opposed to just like having them sit here right now. Because I sold like almost all my cryptic gateways the first time and I have like five or six left and like those ones are probably gonna sell middle or end of October. That is probably true. Does anyone have any uh anything else they want to add? I would expect it to be possible that some of this stuff will get a rebound. Um, like Bloodline Keeper, which I expect to show up in FTV Transform, but that probably won't hit the normal price that hard. But the caveat here that some of the for the ability for these to double down is um, the decks have to become really popular, uh, like probably more popular than we expect them to be. So while I do think you might be able to get back in on Bloodline Keeper and make money again, they're going to have to be like attracts a not necessarily attracts the levels of popularity, but very popular so that like basically we all kind of sell through our copies, they get cheap again um, because the market floods and then it turns out people are still buying and we kind of like double back and pull the prices up. So I'm not expecting it, but I suppose it's possible. Yeah, I do think that we're going to see a second spike. I think that there's something that we need to explain to the viewers, however. I mean, a lot of them are worshipping a lot of profits lately. And as a result, they're becoming terrified of caging their investments in too many different things. Essentially, what I'm seeing is a lot of people are uh, they're getting too focused on this second spike. They're getting too focused on easily doubling up on EDH decks like we saw for Atraxa, like we sort of saw for 2015. And... I think a lot of this stuff is greater fools. Now, obviously, Travis and Doug called the Cryptic Gateway, and I want to say Travis called Bell Bay's portal as well. Like you, you called a lot of them, Travis. And even though there are cards that are spiking due to actual demand, I I would be wary of sinking too many things into uh, investments and having them not pay out after this um, the second wave hits. I think some cards will continue to go up, but I if I was holding onto these specs and they went up enough to make it worth your while. Don't be too greedy. Just leave the rest of the money for someone else and get out and reinvest that money somewhere else. Because as this high tide uh, lifts all these rising boats, I wouldn't worry too much about uh, tying up too much money and stuff. I just want to state for anyone that is not watching the live feed or is not watching the YouTube channel, um, we all hate Jeremy so much more than you could possibly ever right now. Uh, you should go watch it, what he's doing while he's saying all these things. I will not spoil anything, though. But that's what I think is uh, Commander Commander is an interesting place to be if you got in early enough because you listen to our content or anyone's content, really, and they spiked, and you can make like $3 on a card, ship it, move on with your life, and don't look back. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are targeting greater fools, and I wouldn't want to be one of them, essentially. So that's my opinion. Anyone else? I think holding on to uh, sealed completed sets is actually pretty good. You can buy four of them, I think, on TCG Player. I imagine the price will probably go down to like roughly MSRP, if not like slightly above. So 35 times four is like 140. So like, you can get sets for like 150 or whatever. I think they're fine to hold on to. The dragon deck and vampire deck will always be worth like probably like at least like 20% more than MSRP. Uh, they're pretty easy flips. Um, every time I pick up a uh, a sealed set of Commander 2016, I still have like no problem moving it for like 250. 
Um, and I think like just in a few months down the road when it, you're, you're no longer able to get a commander 2017, I like, I easily see like the four decks being worth about 200, uh, as a set for people who want them. So good point. So we've talked on previous casts about grading cards, which of course Doug wrote an article about hashtag chill. Um, we've talked about managing your money. We've talked about storage. There's still a couple of things that we haven't talked about. And obviously a lot of people don't want to get too detailed into this, but I had a customer ask me while he was uh, selling cards uh, today, how do you guys track your expenses when it comes to magic for both casual play and for magic investing? Number one rule to tracking your finances when it comes to uh, casual spending is don't do it. Because <laughs> as soon you're scared as you, of what it all go up to, yeah, as soon as you do, you will never buy another magic card again. Yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. Every once in a while, I like look through like my PayPal statements and look at how much money I've sent to people on Twitter and be very sad with myself. Uh, I just mix it all. I mix like casual spending and like personal spending and investment spending all into. Uh, one um unless it's for like business related stuff i guess but um i just use google spreadsheets i mean i won't go into any more detail than that but like just google spreadsheets to keep track of your financial stuff is so easy and then like when it comes around to tax time i'll just like print it out and like ship it to my accountant ed i i have like a little like portfolio like for grand prix i can more or less keep track of individual spending per grand prix like hotel expenses, uh, flight costs, food, etc. All that just gets shipped off uh, for each individual event, mainly because they're pretty well self-contained. As for uh, as for expenses, I generally put them like I like the easiest way is just to have a separate account, like and just keep it completely separate. Uh, so you need like probably to register as like an LLC, pay your taxes, and just have it. Again, kept completely separate, but that's the easiest way for accounting to be done. But that does require a slightly more level of commitment than just what I assume what Travis and Jim do. I mean, it's also like helpful to use uh, software like YNAB, which is you need a budget. Uh, it's a program or like Mint. Just like if you're new to investing or if you're new to like putting money places and then like trying to get X amount of money out of it and like figuring out exactly what made you what. Um, or just like budgeting in general, just use some sort of software program as like a training wheels thing at first. Yeah. And then the other thing that, you know, we've talked about storage a bit when it comes to picking collections, do you guys go and like, I know Jim doesn't do this as much anymore. Is this something where you guys go through bulk boxes and you pick everything out that's like over $2 and everything else you resell as bulk? Are you the types of guys that sort it by set and then pick it? Or do you like pick out, all the dimes and like everything above dimes and then sell the rest as bulk. How are you guys sort of going through these collections when you get them in? Uh, I mean, I store all of my bulk in my basement and then I, at first I sort it by like whether or not it's picked or not. Uh, all my bulk is like just all thrown together, picked or not picked. And then I'll like go through, pull out everything that's nickel or more. Um, and then all the nickel and plus stuff is the stuff I'm selling to Thomas right now. So like pretty much everything from like land or elves to evolving wild all the way up to like counter squall, simian spirit guide, like that kind of crap that I find in bulk all the time. Like throne of Geth, contagion class, plagues, stinger, uh, 
might have old crows uh, time of a need like all that garbage just just getting shipped to thomas this week and then all the true bulk i either bulk it out on craigslist or i sell it to star city at four dollars per thousand when they stop by syracuse but i'm not like somebody who like sorts every single thing by set and then alphabetizes it all and then takes out all the picks like i just don't have the manpower for that i just pick it up myself Ed? i don't quite have a good answer for how we do it at uh Kerwin's. Um, it's one of those things that I'm trying to tackle mainly because at what point, like how granular can you make it where it's actually worth the labor costs? Um, as it stands for most standard sets, uh, I actually pick everything down to pennies. Um, and for things like our devastation and, uh, Amon cat, we actually put, uh, we actually weigh the cards on a super fine scale and then put them on to TC player in lots of like a hundred at a time. If it moves in high enough volume. Um, through TCG Direct, like usually when our RIs come through and we have to pull like hundreds of a card, it's usually worth it to pick pennies at that point. But unless like unless you have a lot of people who can do like put cards on and sort cards constantly, it's not worth like obviously picking out like pennies to like uh, four cents or so. Anything less than nickel, probably not worth it. But again, the only way we can make it worth it is because we're uh, sorting like hundreds of these cards, hundreds of copies of some of these like super yeah. shitty comments at one time and like to the people who say like oh i wouldn't pick a nickel well would like would you pick a bulk foil out because when you pick bulk foil commons and uncommons out even if it's just like a foil open fire or a giant growth or like a shitty tutu bear like all of those will buy less for nickels anyway so it just it becomes worth your time to just like know what most of the nickels are you don't have to have a comprehensive overview of every single nickel card or every single dime card ever but like if you're somebody who would at least pull out a bulk rare or a bulk foil or like a full art land or whatever then like it's just worth your time to know like what the little dimes and nickels are because they add up over time i'm paying for this entire trip down to georgia with just like money for that i got from that's free that i pulled out of bulk just like land of worlds and evolving wilds and lightning bolts and just whatever jim uh i'm gonna point out that doug's comment about he paid for his trip for free with the nickels he pulled out but how many hours of your time was that i mean yeah it's like non-hour non like there's a labor cost involved but i mean like i'm sitting on the couch watching netflix with my wife while i do it it's not like a uh it's not like grueling work or anything like that it's just something i do whenever in my spare time that's still actually fun to me it's not like a super hard uh, labor cost when it's something that like I count as an enjoyment time. And this is why I'll never do magic full time. Jim? Um, generally, I care less about like the nickels and dimes, and I'm okay at like, maybe not dimes, but definitely nickels, just sending them to people not looking up all the prices for everything, because I don't know literally every possible common and uncommon price at this point, because I don't buy less that many of them. That being said, I will like look through like stuff that I personally open and make sure that I have stuff sorted correctly. Like when I'm going to the pre-release this weekend, if I open like you know a fifty cent or a dollar uncommon in my sealed pool or whatever, I'll make sure to put them in the you know not put it in a bulk box somewhere. I'll keep it where I can find it more easily. But Wait, did you, just say, really if you get a, did you say if you get a fifty cent or dollar rare, you're not going to put it in your bulk box? No, uncommon. Oh. Like, if I open the, the the new land that you can name a creature type and it makes mana for that color, I don't remember what it's called, like, lost, lost something. What do you do yeah. with it? 
Uh, I put it in a different box that's not bulk. I don't really sort my cards very well because I'm lazy and because I kind of remember where I leave things. Though that's not a very good system. So I just have like a box of like uncommons of things that I would like reasonably be wanting to play ever. Interesting. Yeah, I don't have time to pick anymore. I wish I did, but my time is too valuable now. What I've been doing lately is high school kids come into the shop and want a card, and I say, here's four or five rows. Sort this by set, alphabetize it for me, and I'll give you the card for free. Oh, it's a child labor. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, well, like, how else? Is, so, like, Legacy FNM's been booming, and there's this high school kid that wanted to play a set of underground Cs. And I was just like, here's this bulk. Get it sorted. When you're done, you'll have the Cs. He's on, like, the last box this week. So it's a win-win. Uh, yeah, you get child labor for dirt cheap that you don't have to pay taxes on his labor for. <laughs> yep. Allegedly. That's a win. <laughs> I mean, I normally have to pay my sorters way too much money anyway. Like, I've looked into contracting them for the week or weekends, which I've done in the past, because uh, the employ the normal employee sure as hell don't want to do that all the time. So, like, I'll pay people to drive in and just sit in the shop from open to close for four days straight. And like all they, their job is to sort bulk while I'm off gallivanting around. Like that's work too, but trading cards for sorting is also fine in my opinion. Trading cards for sorting is the best. It's the actual yeah, best. Yeah. To, hold, to, to, uh, to drive this point home, Travis, I just give them the boxes. They walk out of the shop and they do it on their own time. Doug has people drive to his basement to sort bulk, which is creepier. That's not true. I have offered people to do that. I see on and Facebook all the time. Hey, come to my basement. I'll sort bulk. No, they don't sort it in my basement. They sort it in my office. It's different. Okay. Office is upstairs. Basement's downstairs. This is a moot point. I don't invite people to my house to sort bulk, basically. That's a little too much for me. Uh, but yeah. I'm not going to carry all my bulk to the shop, though. It's a pain in the dick. Might have to edit it's that way out. Too- what? Do you guys not swear on this podcast anymore? Not since we've been sponsored. Oh, fair, 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 fair. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Other than that, like, reserveless cards continue popping. I sold a couple of tabernacles. I sold three tabernacles last week for probably too low, but they moved in, like, five minutes. Um, have a lot of people picking up near mint alpha beta rares, mint legends cards. Like, the demand's real, on Twitter at least. Oh, uh, I forgot we got into the humble brag section of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've been selling a lot of old school cards, so the demand is still there. Um, I don't know if these new prices are sticking. We have a lot of customers on certain Legends Rares that don't want to pay like $150 for some of these cards versus like the $30 they were a couple months ago. Um, I saw the Mirror Universe for like $130 on Twitter. A what? A Mirror Universe, the thing that swaps yeah. tools. I sold one today on TCG for $130. Yeah, um, that's what I sold on Twitter for. Yep. And uh, yeah, there is uh, there's real demand for some of these cards. Like I've got, uh, let's see, people are picking up an Angus McKenzie, Divine Intervention, All Hollows Eve, In the Eye of Chaos, and a Thunder Spirit tomorrow. Like to give you guys an example of uh, what's uh, selling well. So yeah, old school demand is still real. Ed, is there anything that you're seeing in your travels overseas that's real? Uh... No, not, not really. I'm trying, I'm trying to actively like avoid doing this, but that doesn't mean like I won't check a few times a day. I'm like, 
like I've been watching MCAM like a lot more uh, since I've been over here. Uh, I like not just because I'm over here, but I've just been watching MCAM like as a whole more in general. I think that's like still a somewhat untapped market. Um, it's kind of odd because like uh, 1993, 1994 is way, way more popular over here, but it doesn't seem like a lot of the cards have spiked in the same way that, uh, that they've spiked in America. So like that one, I'm a little like miffed by, I'm not quite sure like how that, how that works. Like a lot of legends rares, uh, are still reasonably cheap over here. Even if you can't, even if they're like, they're the supply on them isn't super high. A lot of people don't have them, especially like legends. A lot of people have Italian legends. Um, but like, it just feels like proportionally, like, and like, obviously like Italian legends is way cheaper than English legends, but for the cards that have spiked, it just seems like the Italian legends cards are really, really cheap over here. Um, for reasons unknown, like there's definitely demand here, but again, I don't quite understand why it's as cheap as it is. It's just one of those things I've just kind of been intrigued by. Maybe someone out there who's smart I'm at this can tell me why. I will. I don't have an answer for why, but I can tell you I have been similarly annoyed by some of that because I can see the opportunity, but like I don't really have a good way to move product into it at all. Or I'm like, this card should be more expensive over here, but I don't have a way to capitalize on it. So all I can do is sit there it's like, it's not cheap enough for me to buy, but it's definitely cheap enough for somebody to make money somewhere if they know what they're doing. They know that market well. Yeah, we have a couple. It seems like MTG Finance follows certain trends where everybody jumps on the bandwagon for one thing. And then they beat that horse into the ground and then everyone jumps on the bandwagon for the next thing. Uh, from Tiny Leaders to Frontier... Uh, we're starting to see this in old school and a lot of the actual players, like I can understand the reasoning that this is natural demand driving up these prices. But then you look at some people that have stacks of uh, reserveless cards and you're like, yeah, this isn't real. So. I mean, like Tsuchi. What? Like Tsuchi. Or like, um, or, uh, uh, remember whatever that jar is. Uh, forgot what that one's called. So. Keep an eye out. It's the best we can say. And then other than that, we have a billion products still coming next uh, next couple of months. I expect no customers to have any money left by December. So we're going to see how this plays into where Magic Card prices go. Ed, you've basically monitored Magic Card prices as your job forever. You think we're going to see the uh, a bunch of sales at the end of the year by all the companies again? I, I think it's there's gonna be like pretty heavily heavy diminishing returns. I think we like kind of touched on this last time, and I like am only more sure of it now. Like just because you have twice made products doesn't mean like you're gonna generate twice made sales. Like twice made products, you're gonna generate like 1.5 times as many sales, and like three three times as many products is not gonna generate like 300. You're gonna get like 175. percent Like it just you're just diminishing returns are just gonna kick in more and more heavily um it may be slightly skewed like there's probably a lot of hype for ixalan there's going to be a lot of hype for iconic masters but i think if iconic masters was released at a slightly more opportune time it would probably do way better than what it will do um which is kind of another wrench like in the whole like puzzle of like what iconic masters will look like especially since it comes out like the week before thanksgiving it doesn't seem like a lot of people like are like financially like it would be wise for people like with holidays right around the corner like extensive like traveling to see family like buying gifts and whatnot for them to just like 
like buy a case of like iconic masters that we've kind of seen in the past. Like I don't know how our customers are, but there's definitely been plenty of people who've like pre-ordered or walked in just like impulse buy like a box or like a case of Eternal Masters or Mar Masters three to just crack on a whim type thing. Um, and I, and some of these people I do see that they they might not just be able to afford it like once like the holidays rolls around and just product fatigue really kicks in. Is that a is that how you are, Travis? Do you go out and just like buy a box of whatever's coming out, or are you more concerned about the singles? <laughs> uh so let's see. If we don't count sealed product, if we don't count events, the last time I personally purchased sealed product, I guess last summer when I was overseas, we bought foreign MMA, we bought MMA packs in Italy just for fun. But like, I just never ever do that, which you shouldn't do either, unless you put. A lot of value on just cracking packs for fun uh so yeah definitely only singles but uh i don't know what what exactly was your question though was there another part to that i missed are you do you go and do you buy a box of the newest hottest masters set basically or are uh, you looking more at singles i sure don't and i encourage all of you not to do that either unless i mean if you want to buy it to draft that's completely and absolutely fine because you want to draft but if you're like oh i'm gonna make my money back or there's a lot of money in the set don't do it so bad don't do it it's such a waste of money yeah i mean what asshole pack wars like uh a foreign black bordered box of uh german <laughs> revised like who would do such a thing and light all that money on fire such nonsense says, i still have people on this cast what i said survey says probably two of the people on this <laughs> cast yeah as travis said it is quite literally lighting your money on fire I mean, so is buying Russian foils, but you seem to not have a problem with that either. No, because it's insured. So I am a-okay with that. I get a use out of all these Russian foils. In fact, I have a stack sitting right here, which is like a, I gave lot, you of, of a lot of money. But I gave you one of those. I think the first one. Yeah, you did. Uh, we were actually shuffling up the cube to draft it later. So... Man, I don't know. They just fill me with joy. And am I a greater fool for it? Yeah. Am I lighting money on fire for it? Yeah, but I got it insured, and it's awesome. And Travis is blowing in his mic. Not quite sure why. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, what is what is your form of uh, frivolous purchasing, uh, Jim? Is it just buying foils for EDH or, like, masterpieces for EDH? Dude, I'm I'm so over foils. Like I know I thought it'd never be this way, but I just don't want them anymore. I'd rather just have more cards and not have that much money tied up in uh in random foil things that are hard to get rid of. Um, I've kind of stopped buying masterpieces, with the exception of like flipping them or if I have like store credit somewhere. But pretty much, I try not to spend money on magic cards if I don't have to. Or unless it's a really good deal, and I think that I'm getting a really good deal, which maybe happens more often than, or less often than I think. Ed, do you have any frivolous purchases? No, definitely not. Good. A man of noble uh, fastidious. There's no vices, nothing. I don't, you are not like, oh my God. That like couldn't be less untrue, more untrue. Less untrue? Jim. Uh, you mentioned uh, 
that you would rather have more cards than foils. Like you, instead of having the foil, you'd rather just have more magic cards. But has has that like other cards that you don't own that you want to? Like uh, accepting like you know like oh I wish I had foil alpha or you know al- alpha type of thing. Like are there cards that you haven't purchased for yourself that you would like to own? Yeah, hundred percent. I don't own every card in the game, so there's bound to be some cards at some point in time that I would like to own that I don't own. Hmm. Um, most of it has to do with the fact that like I've been playing almost exclusively EDH, so when new things come out and I decide I want to build another deck, then I don't always own all the cards that I need. I often try to buy things ahead of time that I think I will need, like. I know that every black deck that I'm ever going to play is going to have an Urborg and a Cabal Coffers. It's just always going to be that way. So in Vegas, I bought some extra Urborgs and Cabal Coffers, which turned out well for me since Cabal Coffers is a billion dollars now. But there's like weird things. Like I bought a Nicol Bolas from Doug last week because I don't own a Nicol Bolas like the creature. And it just happens. Like I'd want it for the dragon deck, but I didn't own one, so I had to buy one. But I don't buy things that I don't know if I don't need, unless I know, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, when I played Standard, I would I buy pretty much four of everything that I could possibly ever play, so that I just didn't have to worry about buying it later. But now I've entered this point in my playing where I'm like, I'm only going to buy things that I know I will use in the future, like basically lands exclusively, or I buy specific cards for specific decks, and I usually try to get the cheapest copy possible. Unless there's like an art difference that I really enjoy. Yeah. I was not about that Chronicles Nickel Bolas life. You did notice you bought a foil Nickel Bolas, yeah. I mean, my choices were foil Nickel Bolas, the time shifted one where I don't really like the art very much, or a Legends one, which is probably a billion dollars. So I just got the foil. They're one. 40 bucks for Nairman. I sold one last week. Yeah, I I like the the from the vault dragons art, despite it being a from the vault foil. Okay, you guys want to move into pick of the week, or do we have anything else of substance to talk about? Since Doug decided to leave, I mean, decides to talk about. That's I was rude. Since I have a decent amount of time to kill, and I've been watching like the news nonstop, like anyone who like is feeling ambitious. I'd recommend looking at foreign exchange. It's one of those things where uh, it's pretty much an unregulated market like magic is. And I suspect that there's a lot of people who, who do, who do, who uh, dabble in magic and FGG finance that would probably do well uh, in foreign exchange. It's one of those things that you have to kind of be on top of. And I think like with how, with how much people like follow magic trends, I think if they actually were willing to, uh, put that into like actually like something a bit more tangible than uh foreign exchange is, might be for you. That's my tip. Well, it's definitely something the after hours of JR, he recommended that too, I believe. Yeah. I think it's, again, it's one of those things that like you have to stay on top of pretty regularly. Um, you have to watch like a lot of indexes. You have to watch a lot of markets. You have to understand why things behave the way they do. But, uh, it's definitely intriguing. Like it's one of those things that like I've been watching. Like they have like this like how uh, all the currencies match up against each other like on BBC constantly. So I'm just watching that, and like BBC does talk about how uh, the market trends as well. It's definitely interesting. Uh, it might be it might be worth looking out there for people who who are feeling a little bit uh, 
froggy when it comes to MTG Finance. Well, anything so, to get you out of Magic full-time, Ed? Anything to keep you moving in the great natural course of things, which is into a normal job? Because I want you in a cubicle by the end of 2018. Uh, no hoping. thanks. No thanks. When you say foreign exchange, you mean like the currency market, like buying yen for cheap and then selling it some period of time later when it's gone up. Yes. All right, let's move into pick of the week. Ed, you've had all day to uh, stroll around London and figure out your pick. What do you got? Uh, so I actually have two. Uh, so the standard playable one is actually going to be kind of an anomaly. Um, it's actually been said on this cast before. I think it's going to be a braid. I think it's one of those cards where it's an uncommon. Um, it's probably going to be played very, very heavily in this coming year, especially if people anticipate like Marty Vehicles to be like a very, very popular deck. Like uh, with Kaldesh and Aether Volt in the format, still, there's still going to be plenty of artifacts being played. Like Amaket still has, uh, or uh, Out of Devastation still has God Pharaoh's Gift. Like that might still be a deck. Who knows? Um, Abraze is just one of those cards that's just always going to be played. It it feels like it kind of is going to follow some pattern to Blessed Lines, which was like two dollars and fifty cents at one point on TC Player Direct, and I just couldn't keep them in stock. Granted, Blessed Lines like has some modern applications. It's a little narrow, but um, like a braid might not see that same level of uh, ubiquity. But it's definitely up there. Uh, the other one uh, is Balefire Dragon. It's a card that's been trending up. It's a mythic from Innistrad. It has no second printing. Ten dollars, uh, right? I think it's like close to like fourteen now or something. I should I think, reprice mine. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think on Amazon it's actually much higher than that. So if you go to someone like Charles, um, I think he actually just like straight up pays you like eleven or something like that, or like some like obnoxiously insane number, um, which actually makes makes it like decently poised for a buyout, mainly because it's so much higher on Amazon than it is on uh, TCG Player and other sites, uh, and that that was kind of the biggest reason why like Dragonlord Dramoka went up so heavily. The difference between Amazon and TC Player was huge, uh, so the big spread makes it pretty attractive for anyone who want to buy, and that just kind of drives the price upwards. Yeah, I just want to point out um, some recent Commander cards that have gone up a lot. Our cards that have been talked about on, I believe, the Command Cast is the one that Jimmy Wong and um, oh my God, Josh Lee Kawhi. Yeah, that guy. Sorry. I was like, Josh? I don't remember his last name. Sorry. Uh, basically, whenever they talk about a card on their cast about like being a potential upgrade for a deck, uh, almost like immediately the next day, it's like gone up 50%. Uh, that happened recently with Maelstrom Nexus and also uh, Dragon Lord Jamoka was, were two cards that they suggested to put in the Dragon's deck. So uh, I would pay attention to that podcast much like a MTG Finance podcast, they have the their, their words have the ability to move cards. And I think with something like EDH, like a big part of it is like the visibility. Like I definitely know like quite a few uh, like EDH players who do listen to command casts. And I think uh, like when again, it's like when they bring it to the spotlight, it likes a lot of times it's cards like I've never heard of this card before. And then when it is brought to the spotlight. Like it really doesn't take very many people, especially on older cards that like it, like a mythic from Innistrad. There just aren't very many copies out there that are kind of like free floating. Um, so like when it is brought to spotlight, like it doesn't really take very many people, even if they only need one or two. 
for basically for them to disappear from a market and the price to reset. Good one, Jim. Uh, so I'm pretty much looking at rotation and um, what what that'll bring to us. My biggest concern is um, making sure to get mythics that are probably going to be more expensive as time goes on. So I'm really heavily looking at uh, Archangel Avison. Uh, that card's down to like 350 now on TCG Player. It could probably go a little bit lower. Um, if it goes sub like 250, like two at $2, like I can't imagine that this is not worth buying. Uh, Restoration Angel was a rare and was like four or five dollars for a time period after it got it, it didn't get reprinted for a while, and there were a lot more copies because it also had a promo. Um, She's a legendary creature. She's an angel. If we ever get like an angel style commander tribal thing, she's 100% going to be in the deck, just like the other Abyssin. And it's a flip mythic, which means that unless it's reprinted in the From the Vault, it's probably just never going to get reprinted again. So I'm, I'm big on Archangel Abyssin. I would probably wait for it to go down a little bit more, but I would keep my eyes on it. Good one. Travis? Uh, I'm going to go with foil copies of blade of the blood chief i think they're they're super cheap yeah yeah, they're like five or six bucks maybe uh i don't think there are very many left out there at all um i did a quick glance earlier and didn't find many so i don't think it would take much to clean the market out it was like five or six bucks for non-foils i think um right up until it was just reprinted in the vampires commander deck um brought the price down to three but it's been very popular for a while and again all of these vampire cards that were worth money before the printing of the deck um, were popular without a really good reason to own them. Um, there was no compelling vampire deck in any format. Uh, but now with the commander deck, we have a good EDH vampire deck. People are going to want to build that. Edgar Markov is the most built commander this week on EDH track. Blade of the Blood Chief is 100% going to be in there. You don't need every player. To need to, every player is not going to want to foil, and that's okay. There's so few that it's going to be 20, 20 bucks, 15 to $25 pretty easily. Um, so I think that's just a free one. Nice call. Um, my pick of the week. I always forget to look for a pick of the week. Uh, therefore, my pick of the week is Collective Brutality. Uh, this card's seeing a ton of play in a horrible format known as Modern. This card sees a good amount of play in Legacy and Black Red Reanimator, and I think it'll tank off at rotation. You sit on these and they'll start going up just like the Dragon Lords or anything else that Seems like free money. I don't think this gets reprinted anytime soon with the Escalate mechanic. Um, we're selling them very well at $10, and it's like the week before rotation, so the price isn't really based off any demand, but uh, modern and legacy. So that's what I would keep an eye on. Where can people find you guys? At Edwin13 on Twitter, with Crohn's Game Store. Uh... I will be. I don't know where I'll be next, actually. Well, I actually do know, but I, I, I'll be uh, doing my travels around the world. You people will see me at some point. You going to Eternal Weekend? Maybe. Okay, I, I'll I think I might see have you a, there. I think I might have an uh, in-store event that weekend, but we'll see how that goes. Okay, Jim. My name is Jim Casale. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. You can find me on Gathering Magic every other week. You can find me on Quiet Speculation every week. 
And if you're in the great city of Orlando, you can find me this weekend battling its pre-release at Cool Stuff in Waterford. And I'm Travis Allen on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Monday for mtgprice.com. I can also be hold, heard on the podcast, uh, MTG Fast Finance. And if you like playing Magic, check out Scry.Land. Find Magic in your area. Well, my name's Jeremy. You can find me down in the great state of Missouri or on Twitter at MissouriMTG. Uh, you can find me at, I think I'll be in Columbia all of next week. So, yeah, find me at the shop around there. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been Cartel Aristocrats number 71. And as always, have a good one. Make a little more money. Play a little more magic. And I've got no third one this week. Have a good one. Bye.